In the journey through heartbreak and betrayal, many find themselves lost in the chaos of emotions. How is it that some people find the purpose within the pain and experience profound personal growth? Today's guest, Laura Lawrence, is going to tell you exactly that. Laura is an author, speaker, educator, and mental health advocate who has shared the stage with powerful female voices like Dr. Jody Carrington and Jess Tatu. Hi, I'm Lisa, and this is Rising Strong Mental Health and Resilience. On this podcast, we dive into different kinds of adversity and the resilience required to rise above. Make sure to follow or subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get started. All right, today I have Laura Lawrence in studio with me. I met Laura about a year and a half ago, and I was in awe of her inner strength and confidence the moment I met her. She has weathered some storms that some of you will relate to, and her resilience is inspiring. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you for having me, and thank you for those kind words. All truths. Laura, you have endured a heartbreaking and life-altering breakup. Tell us about the events that unfolded when you heard the words, I don't love you anymore. Wow. Well, gosh, so many events unfolded after those words. And at the time, it was absolutely the hardest thing I had ever had to navigate in my life. There were so many emotions, so many layers to it. And starting over in life at the age of 32 with two children under the age of six was absolutely terrifying. But I'll take you back a little bit and tell you kind of where it all began. So I met my ex-husband when we were 16 years old. We were high school sweethearts. Uh, We got married when I was 22. And in our 17-year journey together... We walked side by side through so many things. We had two children together. We grieved the loss of a child through a miscarriage together. We grieved the loss of loved ones together. We embarked on new career paths, new journeys. But it was about at the 10-year marriage mark that we found ourselves in the depths of conflict that really had started many years prior. Both of us were carrying our own inner child wounds, overcommitted to work, chaotic schedules, stresses of life, work, raising children, really all the things that two people in a relationship or a marriage face. And we were facing them with two different mindsets, two different belief systems, two different sets of upbringing in our families. But it was after one fateful argument that we had that was the tipping point. It was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back, I would say. He was emotionally depleted and so was I, but he was done, like actually done. So from that night of that argument to today, almost, oh gosh, 12 years later, There has always been four sides to this multi-layered love story and separation story. Uh, There's my side. There's his, of course. There's our children's side and the outside world who always had their view from what I like to call the cheap seats. Wow. 
You know, that's really interesting. You always hear there's two sides to every story, which I agree with. I'd never thought about those other two dimensions that you mentioned. Yeah. That's, that's really powerful. And did you find that the cheap seats were giving you some, some difficult times as well on top of everything else that you were dealing with? Oh, yes, they certainly were. Uh, it was very public and painful separation, divorce. It's interesting, just a couple of weeks ago, I heard yet another rumor, honestly, a decade later. So yeah, living in a small community, being in the public eye, as at the time I was a teacher and educator in the community, we lived a block from the school. We ran a business together. We were often in the public's eye through community service, organizations. So it was definitely a journey. How did this all make you feel? It was gutting. It was heart-wrenching. There were so many days and nights where I felt hopeless. It felt like my entire world and the ideals that I and many of us cling on to since you know we're children, um, imagining what a marriage would look like and feel like. I mean, all of it came crashing down at once. And now when I say that, I say that kind of tongue in cheek because of course it didn't all come crashing down in a day. It was years in the making, but it felt like a shattered ceiling, a crumbling floor. There's so many ways I could describe it. And I often describe that time as, as if it felt similar to falling into a deep, dark well and that I could see the light just out of the distance of the top of the well. But it was cold, it was lonely, it was dark. Every time I tried to kind of clamber up the sides of the well, I would fall back down again. And I, to that point, had never experienced depression. It was even hard for me to understand seeing loved ones or friends go through depression because I just had never been there in my own mind and body. But if you've ever been through a breakup or a separation or divorce, you know very well, that gut-punching feeling of hearing somebody tell you that they're done or they just don't love you anymore or that's it. Um, There's really no going back from that moment. Do you think it was harder for you to navigate the path forward or do you think it was harder for you to watch your children navigate the path forward? Wow, that's an interesting question. I would say that both were very difficult in different ways. Where, I mean, I've definitely felt helpless. There were things that were within my control that I could have done leading up to that point. And then also, you know, in trying to find resolution. But for, for children who are involved in separation and divorce, like they really are helpless. You know, they really are the, collateral damage, so to speak. And I wanted to ensure that as much as I could have the power over ensuring that my children didn't feel like collateral damage, it's almost inevitable just with all of the layers that kind of ensue following a separation and divorce. Did you seek professional support for yourself or for yourself and your children? Yeah. I mean, 100%. Um, I know I think when you had sent me you know, the show notes, you had asked, you know, how did this affect your mental health? 
And when I was thinking about it, I mean, the very first thing that came to my mind was the easier question would be like, how didn't it affect my mental health? It affected absolutely every aspect of my wellness. I could not sleep. I could not eat. I could not focus or concentrate at work. I cried for hours and hours daily. I fixated, became obsessed with trying to solve it, work it out, make it work. I was anxious. I was depressed. And although I never made a formal plan to take my life, and I don't think I've ever publicly spoken about this, you know, as a speaker and an author, I'm not even sure this is in my book, actually. I'm pretty sure it isn't. But I do remember one evening that I was driving home late and the thought had crossed my mind what would happen if I just allowed my car to slip across the solid yellow line. And it was just for a fraction of a minute that that thought was there. But I I clearly remember that. And I couldn't show up as my best self for my children or my students. I really was an empty shell. I lost 30 pounds so quickly. Many people asked and wondered if I was sick. There were even questions whether I I had a terminal illness because I had to hide so much for quite a few months as we hadn't told our children or our families for a while. And the act of hiding the truth really took its toll, I think, not on me, but on all of us. I mean, on on my ex-husband as well and on the children. So absolutely, I needed to seek professional help. And this part I write extensively about in my book. Um, It started with an intervention weekend. And that's how it goes for many of us, especially when we're in the depths of that well of depression and we really can't see the light at all. It often takes somebody in our inner circle, our loved ones who reach down and pull us up or pull us out. And I'm very thankful to two very good friends who are concerned, deeply concerned for me. And so they had planned an intervention weekend. It was that weekend that I was introduced to the psychologist who would become like a grandmother to me later and who would stand beside me in this dance of healing over the next decade. I was introduced to two very powerful alternative modalities called Reiki and body talk during that weekend. And I sought medical help with my doctor, was prescribed medications to help with my sleep and help with my anxiety. So it was like full force after that intervention weekend and kind of throwing all the tools that I could at trying to rebuild so many things that felt broken. Now, I know you fairly well, and I also know you to be a very strong woman. And I think anybody who's been through difficult times ultimately knows that the work comes from us. I absolutely think that a therapist, a counselor is so important when you're going through difficult times. But ultimately, that work has to come from within us. Do you remember a turning point when you kind of pulled up your bootstraps and really thought, okay, what do I have to do now to take myself forward and my kids forward? Or was it very evolutionary for you? No, I mean, I knew that right from the beginning. I mean, of course, you know, as I mentioned that, and anybody listening to this who's ever been in any type of conflict in a relationship or a marriage knows that the tension, the conflict builds. And often two people are very different. They have different belief systems. They have different subconscious programming. They solve problems differently. They love differently. They communicate differently. And so finding that dance with a partner 
you know, and finding what works for you and what works for them. It's it's a tumultuous dance. And I remember taking so much responsibility for so many things and being really hard on myself about how I made so many mistakes or I could have done this better or I could have done this different. Um, and when it was time for my healing journey, I just knew there was nobody else that was going to do it except for me. And I hadn't been studying any alternative modalities at that point yet, but I had been doing a lot of reading in um, conscious living and consciousness. And I had been reading books by authors like Deepak Chopra. It's very interesting looking back now. It was almost as if my subconscious was preparing me or my psyche was preparing me for what was to come. And then of course, the path that that it led me down and exploring more of the complementary alternative methods of healing, I absolutely then learned the power of healing yourself and working on that which you can control and the only thing you control, which is yourself. So true. So how has Body Talk helped you on your journey? As I mentioned, it was one of those modalities that I was introduced to in that intervention weekend. I had never heard of it before, which is the story that most people will say when it crosses their path. Um, I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what to expect. And I remember after I had that first session on that intervention weekend, I was not impressed. I was under, I was not enthused. I thought, I don't know what that was. Didn't really work for me. But, you know, cool. Thanks. Turns out it kept coming back into my life. And I think that the things that are meant for us always do. They always keep door knocking, right? And it turned out to be life-changing. The most powerful transformations in my mind, my body, and my spirit were all because of this amazing modality. And I would say so for many of my family members as well who have experienced it, including my own children, like I said, after my first session, I was so skeptical and I, and I'd even say, oh, that didn't work. But I kept being called back to it. And what I tell people about body talk is you don't find it, it finds you. You know, that was really cool that it just kept coming back into my awareness. And what it allowed me to do was explore how deeply I was attached to belief systems that were formed very early before I even knew in my subconscious between zero to seven, um, in my own experiences with my family and how I was parented and all the things that happen in that core formation period between age zero to seven. And, and I realized how so many of those belief systems that I would attach to were wreaking havoc, not just in my mental wellness, but really trickling down into the physical manifestation of pain and illness in my body. Um, body talk allowed me to really store emotion from years of experiences and conflict that I was carrying, whether it be inner conflict or conflict that I, I had had with people in my past or family members in my past. It really was life-changing. I just felt like it was the next thing for me to do. It was the next step. It was really what I needed to explore for my full path of healing. Uh, so when I left the teaching profession, I began to study body talk. And I became a certified practitioner and I took all of my advanced classes. And I started a business in a community where there were no body talk practitioners. Nobody had ever heard of it. I am so grateful for every client who's trusted me 
sitting beside them and walking beside them in their healing journey. It has been not only healing for them, but also for myself. I know we've had this conversation before, but isn't it interesting how when we can get to that space where we can help other people with their healing, that we also benefit from the healing that comes from that work? Yeah, it's a two-way street. It's very reciprocal in nature. And forever, as long as I'm living, I will practice body talk in some aspect. So let's talk a little bit about the work that you do as a mental health advocate for our youth. Yeah, that's something that I just have always been really passionate about working with youth. So I'm the oldest grandchild on both sides and I've always been surrounded by kids and always the oldest one (laughs) in the group. I've been drawn to working with youth since I was a child. I had a vision of becoming a doctor when I was in my last few years of high school and I changed lanes at the last minute and became a teacher. So I went into the College of Education at the University of Saskatchewan and finished my my degree as a high school science teacher. I spent over 15 years in a rural school setting teaching high school sciences and biology and chemistry. I was a coach. I was a mentor. I worked with kids outside of the classroom for many, many hours. I really loved my job and the kids I got to work with. And I had a front row seat seeing many youth struggle with their own mental health. And and this was, again, I've been out of the classroom for 10 years. So I mean, even 10 years ago, we did not talk about mental health the way we do now. And so often kids struggled in silence, but I always had that innate kind of intuitive gut feeling when a kid didn't look okay, or when I noticed something that had changed in their demeanor or their attitude or their motivation or their behavior. After certifying as a body talk practitioner, after I'd left the classroom, I began creating mindfulness in the classroom workshops and professional development opportunities for schools and students and found myself being hired back into schools, into classrooms, but from a different lens. And I created mindfulness for kids camps and workshops that I hosted in my local area. I just absolutely love engaging in youth that way. And then in 2019, I had this wild and crazy idea one day while taking a road trip with my husband that I thought it would be just so incredible to host a mental health conference day for kids. I had been to so many conferences in my professional career and they always motivated me and uplifted me and just gave me that extra spark that I needed. And I thought, how cool would that be to do for kids? And that was the beginning of starting my nonprofit organization, Youth Matter Canada. And Thanks to the help of many passionate individuals in my volunteer team uh, working with Youth Matter, we have been able to help thousands of kids all across the province of Saskatchewan and beyond reach out and speak up for their mental health. So important. I think every year that goes by, we're seeing more and more of a crisis. And what a better place to start than with our youth. I love that. Yeah, I think it's the only place to start. Really, for me, it's all I know to do is to help the youth because they're our future. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I guess when I say the only place to start, it doesn't mean that we write the rest of us off who are, you know, midlife. But I think that when we're taking a real serious look on how we're going to change our uh, approach, we need to start looking at how we spend time with engaging youth in conversations about mental wellness. What an incredible gift to give kids all these tools and coping skills that they can use all through life. 
Yeah. And it's been incredible working with thousands of kids and talking to them about mental health and having just heart to heart conversations, teaching them some different strategies for self-regulation and self-awareness. They're not as attached to rigid belief systems. So they are willing to think about things and look at things from a different perspective than adults. And I just think that's just the coolest mindset uh, when you're approaching something like mental wellness. When we travel around the province with our Be Kind to Your Mind team going into different schools, we have the absolute best conversations with these kids. When we ask them, what does mental health look like? When we talk about the stigmas, when we talk about how just because somebody looks a certain way, we can't assume that they're not struggling. We have this really cool practice we do with them called the imaginary backpack practice where we talk about you know, every one of us is born with this invisible backpack and it all starts fairly empty from the time we're born. But then everything that happens to us, every experience that we have with our families, with the outside world, loads into the backpack. So emotions and conflict and trauma and that backpack gets so heavy if we don't learn ways to unpack it, if we don't get a team of people who love us to help us unpack it. And we actually do this visually with the kids by getting them to put a really heavy backpack on their back and then a really light backpack. And it's just incredible the conversations that come from that. So powerful. So it just seems like a natural progression really that you've gone from the kind of work that you're explaining to us with Youth Matter and have rolled that really into your your speaking career. And on stage, I know you talk about lots of things, including um, adversity, struggles, challenges, mental health, all kinds of things. Why do you think it's important that you talk about mental health? Well, mental health is the root of everything. It's the root of absolutely everything. We cannot have any conversation about anything affecting our lives without having a conversation about the state of our mental health. It is the foundation and root of our families, our communities, our work. For me, there's no division. Yeah, like it's all mental health related. It's just immersed in our everyday life, in the way we talk, the conversations we have. It's so cool. The other day, my five-year-old said to me, he could really sense that I was having a bad morning. He could sense that my emotions were starting to become very overwhelming for me. And he looked at me and he said, mom, you should just try that rainbow breathing that you teach us. (laughs) That's adorable. And when I was uh, subbing for him today in their class, their kindergarten class, I could see him from the corner of my eye engaging in a little bit of meditative breath work because he was feeling very overwhelmed. And I mean, that's the power of immersing all of our conversations, our life, our relationships with mental health. I couldn't agree more. I think that that is, that is where we need to, to begin with everything. So when you and I met, you were just getting ready to start editing and publishing your book, Behind Closed Doors. Why did you write this book? Oh, it's another loaded, loaded question. Well, sharing stories changes and saves lives. And I think that when I have felt seen, heard, valued, and loved 
it's felt so much easier for me to get through the hard things. And when we're reminded that we're not alone, that we don't need to struggle in silence, that we're not a failure, but rather just human, it gives us the courage to keep going. And I had never imagined years ago that I'd spiral into the deep depression that I did. I had never imagined that I would be navigating a divorce, a separation, co-parenting, which is a whole other podcast in and of itself. (laughs) But I thought if I could help others with tools and mind shifts and practices to help decrease the impact of stress on their minds and bodies, I would continue to do that for the rest of my days. And for me, writing was always such a big part of my own ability to release stored emotion, to cathartically move through hard things that I had been experiencing. And five years ago, I founded a mental health movement called Strong as a Mother. And it was a coffee and conversation series that brought women together in the spirit of connection and real conversation. And why I founded it was because I was a mother who was struggling with so many things silently because that was the strong thing to do. And I knew that I wasn't alone. I couldn't be alone and that other women have had to have experienced similar things that I had been experiencing behind closed doors and not talking about them. And so I wanted to create a platform, a community, a movement that brought women together to talk about these things. And it morphed into this really beautiful community of courageous and resilient and everyday normal women who shared their vulnerability, their stories, their laughter, their tears with one another at every event that I hosted. And from that journey, I just knew that I wanted every woman out there to experience the magic of the Stronger as a Mother community that we had created, even though they couldn't get to it in person or had never experienced it. So I chose 13 women from that movement that had sat heart to heart with me and with other women and bravely shared their stories of navigating some of the lowest of lows and highest of highs from their journeys of marriage and motherhood and mental health. And I wrote a book about it. And I wove pieces of my own story in between those little mini memoirs that ended up being a collection of true heart work that I'm really proud of. And I'm so grateful to those women who sat heart to heart with me because it has created an incredible ripple effect of love and support and the messages and emails I get from readers whom I've never met who just said the book changed their life. Just to be able to read a story and see a version of themselves in that story is just so powerful for their own healing. And they're really a gentle way that we can learn from one another and to really help understand different things. And that's exactly what your book does. You could pick it up. You don't even have to start at the beginning. You can read each memoir on its own. And there's definitely something in your book for everybody. Well done. Thank you. What's next for you? I feel like every time I talk to you, you've got something new coming up on the horizon. Tell us what's going on. Well, there's always something next. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, my busy brain's both a blessing and a curse. And I have quite a creative mind. So I'm always thinking about the next thing. So I have already written three children's books all under the niche of mental wellness. They are published and available on my website and through Amazon. But I have two more children's books that have been edited and are ready to release. So those will be coming out in 2024. And I have had this dream to actually host my own podcast since 2018. In fact, the graphic designer who did my website back in 2018, I had her put in the corner on the bottom, coming soon podcast, but turns out coming soon was five years. (laughs) So that'll be coming in early 2024 as well. Well, I'm so excited to to hear the first episode when it comes out in the new year. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And I think that what it stems from, and I write about this in the book, is that there are two things that every soul on this planet will experience in life. And those two things are love and pain. And the degree to which we love someone or something is very, very synonymous to the degree of which we experience pain when that someone or something leaves us uh, or dies or becomes ill. And I think that creating a platform or a movement where you can allow people to feel vulnerable enough to share that love, to share that pain is so cathartic and so healing. I am really excited, but a podcast is not for the faint of heart. So I want to congratulate you as well. You have Your episodes have been phenomenal. I absolutely love tuning in. And I think that many people don't know what goes behind all of the work in creating these platforms. Uh, it's hard work. It's hard work for sure. Definitely. Hard work and heart work, as you say. <laughs> very true. Very true. So at the end of this episode, just for our listeners, I will be listing Laura's books and where you can find them and also the links to connect with Laura if you have any questions for her. But Laura, I would love to know, now this is a surprise question. She doesn't know that I'm going to ask this. What does resilience mean to you? Resilience means picking yourself back up again after you've fallen in that deep, dark well. And reaching out to those who love you, who support you to get back up again. I really truly believe that we can't experience resilience or have resilience on our own. It's not a one woman or one man show. It really comes from our support systems, from those we love, from our, those that encourage us to get back up again. And for me, resilience meant restarting. The paths that we take are very different from what we thought life would look like. And so resilience is just navigating those paths again in new ways. Yeah, I agree. And I'm also going to add to that, and this is just my spin on things, but I also think we can't have resilience without having had adversity first. Oh, for for sure. I don't think we can... I just don't think we can truly understand what resilience is until we have fallen flat on our face, unfortunately. So how do you think you've become resilient? Sometimes I think I have had to fake it until I actually made it, to be honest. I think that my resilience has has really come from my ability to be open-minded, but also to build community. I say without doubt 
the divorce, the separation led me to today, which I am incredibly grateful for. I have had the most beautiful opportunities to develop rich, abundant, and grateful moments and relationships with people that would have never come my way had that frying pan moment not happened in my life. Right? It's so true. And I I think that when we fall flat on our face and we have to get back up, and usually it's not just one time getting up and it's all good, right? We're falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up a whole bunch of times. Every time we get back up, we gain a little bit of confidence. Oh yeah, I was down here before. I remember this place. Okay. You know, and I've got this tool belt and, you know, it's getting more tools in it. I know how to get up. And I think that that's very powerful as well on our journey because life is not easy, but we have to just keep going. We are always one moment away from a different trajectory in life. And so having those tools, having that team, having that community so that they can help pick you up when you go through those lowest of lows is imperative. It's imperative. And and I think that we can't get comfortable in thinking that we've arrived at a certain healing space because healing is just not a linear journey. (laughs) It is messy. You know, my friend, it is messy. It is very messy. Laura, you're a very wise woman and I am so grateful that you took some time out to spend time with me today. And I know that your message is going to resonate with many of our listeners. So thank you so much for coming today. And to our listeners, be well and stay resilient. Thanks, Lisa. Oh, and one more thing. If you're like me and you find it helpful to write things out, you will love the Oprah-approved Promptly Journals especially the Peace of Mind Journal. I've been using these for years now. You can check them out at bit.ly slash calming journals. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash calming journals. By the way, when you purchase a Promptly Journal, you will be supporting this podcast. So thank you so much. <laughs>